The Numinous Podcast with Carmen Spaniola. Hi there, and welcome to the Numinous Podcast, where we have interesting conversations with everyday folks about the mystery of life. This podcast is a complement to the Numinous School, my online intuition development program for people who want their self-awareness to serve a greater good. I'm your host, Carmen Spaniola, and today on the podcast, I have two guests, Ashley and Patricia. Ashley is coming with me on Quest this spring, and it's her first time. Patricia is returning for her second quest, and we got together to talk about the spiritual and physical logistics to prepare for this rite of passage. So, Ashley, what identities do you lead with? Okay, so I can say at this time of my life, because things are always changing and I'm always evolving, um, where I'm at today is I am a seeker, I am a student. Um, and a practitioner in the sacred and healing arts. And I am a creative individual. Nice. Mm. Mm. That's and, I today. Yeah. <laughs> and your voice sounds very calm and relaxing as you say that. So I believe you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, I don't know what you would say to me tomorrow or the next day, but for today, I believe you. Yeah. So, I mean, I'm in a bit of a, a transition, a time in my life. Um, and so this question's a little bit difficult to answer as I think I'm still kind of seeking those, those answers. Mm-hmm. But those are, the, those are the identities that land for right now. Awesome. So it's, I heard you say you're in transition. So what made you decide to sign up for Quest? And actually, we should frame this. You actually decided to come on Quest last year. Right. Uh, but the Quest that you signed up for was in August. In the end there were massive wildfires where we were going to lead the quest. So that one didn't move ahead anyway. This year, it's, we're not going during fire season. Um, we're also not going during snow season, which was what happened on the first quest. But I'm curious, um, why is now a good time for you to go on quest? Yeah, why? So I don't really have the answer of why. Um, I might not understand the why until after the quest, six months later, a year later. Um, so my why is not quite there. Maybe it'll form as, as I come closer to the date with, with that intention. Um, but it was a feeling I had in my body. So a vision quest is something I've wanted to do for many years. Um, I did have the opportunities. You had sent me a few, a few people and links that I could quest on when yours didn't go ahead last year. But... I chose to wait um, just to go with you and, and Ruben because I've worked with you over the years and we've gone on retreat together. Um, so it's something that I wanted to do with you guys. And yeah, my wife not there, but, but I am in, in, like I said, the time of transition. Um, you know, I'm coming up 30 this year. I'm turning 30 two weeks after Quest ends. So it's kind of a new era. Um, I'm leaning into new vocational paths and um, more soul alignment. So it's kind of the perfect timing for me. Mm-hmm. You're, you're one of those people who's at a very obvious threshold. Yes. Yeah. So I'd like to bring in Patricia, our veteran quester. Patricia was in the first group and um, the name of the group came to me, I think on 
the second night. It was very early. We hadn't even gone out for solo yet, I don't think. And I had a dream of the name of the group, but I didn't tell you guys what it was until you got back because it was pretty hardcore. The name of your group was uh, The Ones Who Discover What Is Possible. Mm -hmm. And then, of course, it sounded like every day that you were on Quest, except for one. We had one day of sunshine. One day Half of sunshine. a day of sunshine. It was brutal. It's, it, it was the hardest quest I've ever seen anybody go on. It was, it was brutal. So, uh, Patricia, why don't you introduce yourself? What identities do you lead with? I am Chinese, I am Buddhist, I am a healer, a writer, a truth seeker, and deep down I really want to be a unicorn. I, it's evident. Obviously you're part unicorn. <laughs> I hope so. Yeah. I hope so. Yeah. Obviously. So how have you changed as a person, would you say, uh, since your first quest last year? I am, um, I think the one thing, the most important thing is I'm better. I'm more willing to have witnesses in my life. I am. Oh, let's just slow that down. Right. This is the wisest thing. You're more willing to have witnesses in your life. Yeah. Why is that important? I think because I am allowing people in. I have, um, I'm willing to be seen uh, and I'm willing to ask for help. It's still not easy, but having witnesses feel a lot less lonely. Feels a lot less lonely. Yeah, yeah, that makes sense. And so how else have you changed aside from being willing to be seen and willing to be a bit more vulnerable and be witnessed, which is another way of saying you're willing to be in relationship and mm. community with people, right? Any mm -hmm. other changes you or maybe your partner noticed or your friends? I am definitely less tolerant of um, easy answers. I want, I want to know the truth. I'm even if that is difficult, and whether that's the truth with myself or with what's going on in the world, I have way less tolerance of fake things, of the untruth, and yeah. Mm -hmm. And I, I think, yeah, the biggest thing is I'm just, yeah, I just, I want to know what's going on. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah. I've got one, I've got one, I've got a way that you're different. <laughs> okay, go for it. <laughs> not are you not only are you more willing to be witnessed and uh, less tolerant of all bullshit, I notice you are showing up for community in a in a very um, kind of open and vulnerable way. Like I've noticed you saying to other friends in need, hey, 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 whoa. I can't help but notice you're going through this long dark night by yourself. I'm right here. And you're kind of like showing up as a friend and as a community member in a really um, open-hearted way. Yeah. Um, and I, I think, but I think that's because I have now experienced what it feels like to be witness. Mm, because, I, uh, I mean, and the friend that you're talking about, I mean, she was diagnosed with breast cancer and she went to surgery on her own. And for me, that is just 
for me, that's not allowed. You don't do that on your own. But you I can don't. imagine you might have entertained that idea five years ago. For myself. Yes, for sure. Because, yeah. because I wasn't, I didn't know how to ask for help. I don't, mm -hmm. I didn't. And, and even saying that now, when I ask for help, when I send texts out you know, mm -hmm. to you guys, sometimes it takes me an hour to send a text out because I'm staring at it, mm -hmm. going, my God, do I send this or do I not? But I mean, every time I do it, it's met with love, it's met with acceptance. And, uh, and because having now experienced how, how it feels like to be witnessed, how it feels like to have support, you don't let people that you love do that right yeah it's been kind of a game changer hey yeah yeah we we have uh, a few of us we send texts to each other so what one of the things that's different about um this quest as opposed to say the ones that i recommended to you ashley um from other kind of big name you know outdoor spirituality schools um eco psychology programs is we have four follow-up meetings once a season every three months we get together online and we circle again so we keep doing the witnessing but in between there's emails that get sent there's and there's been some shit man we had like one person she left a 10-year relationship and moved across country i maybe shouldn't tell people all this stuff because it'll freak them out about quest it might excite some people though so Somebody else no, but I don't think it does because I think it, it, it shows you that if you're at a threshold that you have the support after class. That's right. That these people become your people and, and that you, there's somebody to turn to. There's somebody mm -hmm. to, to one of those quick, quick texts to just go, I'm having a shitty day. Mm -hmm. Yeah. No, but sorry, we've, we've also witnessed thresholds since the quest big ones like our most recent one is one of our fellow questers went to prison mm -hmm. that for me was a big one for me i was like i don't want to go through this alone <laughs> and i was so glad that there was spiritual community um to to carry that and be a good container i don't even know where that guy would be without yeah, his fellow and, questers. yeah and, and for me uh, my my dad died four months after that and i don't think i could have done it I mean, I could have, but it would have been so much harder without you guys, mm. you know, without even just the rituals that you guys did and just the check-in meetings every three months, just to be able to share that. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Mm -hmm. It wasn't like you went on this immersive experience and then we're like flailing in the wind again yeah. three months later. Yeah. So why are you coming on Quest again, my friend? What did you forget up there on the mountain? Or what have you forgotten here? Why are you playing again? Uh, part of me doesn't really know, but I knew when I left the mountains last year that I needed to go back. I felt like I needed to go back. Um, when I, I was thinking about this, I think, uh, well, I know I'm going back because I need to grieve my dad's death. I need to heal. Uh, and then I also want to just go and give thanks for last year for my life. I also want to go and ask Spirit what my instructions are, what my life purpose is. Mm. I mean, whether I get an answer or not, but it, it calls me, it calls me. Mm -hmm. there's, there's something magical about being in the mountains and the connection with Spirit is so much um, stronger. Mm -hmm. It's true. Yeah. yeah, it's a great, 
it's a great spot. So, uh, Ashley, I would like to open it up to you so that you could ask questions of Patricia, kind of quester to quester, because I think people think I'm just feeding them certain answers <laughs> that they're, they're going to like or something. I don't know what it is, they, but it, I think it sounds more convincing if you talk to someone who's done it. So do you have any questions? Yeah, yeah. Um, maybe, Patricia, just from your experience, if you want to share a, a typical day on Quest. Do you want before solo time or? Uh, sure. Just, yeah, yeah, before solo time, maybe during, after, maybe one of each. So before, this is as much as I remember, it was a <laughs> bit of a blur, to be honest. Uh, for me, I would wake up at about six-ish. Uh, I have a shower and then I go for a hike. I have my tea and I'll go for a hike. And then breakfast was at 8.30 yeah, at night. Yeah, eight, 8, I think we did breakfast. breakfast. Eight breakfast and then, uh, so everybody sit down and chat. And then we would meet at 9. Mm -hmm. And the first day, uh, you invite, Carmen, you invited Norman, um, Elder Norman Elder Rutasket, 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 the best. Elder and Norman Rutasket from the Shuswap Nation came and did a territorial reading. He stayed quite a long time, actually. He stayed about four hours. Yeah, he was supposed to be there half an hour. And I told everybody, so we're blocking half a day. Yes. That's elder time. If, you, if they say, how long should I talk for? And you say an hour, that means they're there for the day. And if you say half an hour, that's really half a day. And that's exactly what it took. Yes. And it was perfect. It was perfect. He blessed everybody. He told stories. Yeah, that's and, great. Yeah, and then, uh, then we have lunch. And then after that, we would do work with Carmen again. We yeah. would do teachings. Yeah, uh, the, we would do teachings in the morning. We'd have lunch, lunch and then we would do some experiential. Right. We did uh, drumming. We did shamanic kind of training. Yeah. We did some rock divination stuff. We did some prayer ceremony stuff. Yeah, and then when the weather was good, we would sit outside when it wasn't snowing. And then we would have a break from what, five till yeah. five to six ish? Yeah, it was like four thirty or five. Charcuterie yeah. would come out. Yes, yummy. So people could have snacks and things like that. I'd be cooking away and then we pickle eggs. Pickled eggs that we made. Yeah. yeah. And then we'd all have dinner and dessert. Yes. And uh, and then clean up. That's and clean up. It, it was it was very Compared to retreat, I found it to be uh, of a slower pace. Mm -hmm. That there was a lot of time for sharing, a lot of time to process. So that was at the lodge before solo time. Then day four, we rode got out. on the horses. Got on the horses. Pack horses. That's good medicine. Hey, good you've never medicine. been on a horse. Had you? I've never. And you, I remember you told you told us your horse reflects your. Wasn't it your personality or something? Yeah, it's going to reflect your energy that day and yeah. let you know where you're at. Yeah, and my, my horse, funny enough, uh, was named Minnie. And she, uh, and it was a bit slippery, like funny, it was a bit slippery. So we all had to be quite careful in where the horse was stepping, right? And because pet horses, as much as, as far as I understand, you're supposed to follow each other. Yeah. My horse is very much like me. We don't like to follow the masses. <laughs> so even when I go hiking with my husband, he will go left and I'm trying to go right. 
And then I would be standing there stuck. He goes, why are you not following me? I'm like, oh, I don't know. <laughs> so Minnie in my house was doing the same thing. She was trying to go around rather than going on the straight, um, going straight. So I found that very interesting. Yeah, the, the, horse, the, the horses uh, come from Coldwell Ranch. Charlie Coldwell and his family have been in that region of British Columbia for 125 years. They have what's called a century ranch. It's been 100 years in this area, which for British Columbia, that's like, that's pioneering days, right? 125 mm. years. And um, so he loves horses. He loves his herd and loves doing pack horse. And he loves his cows too. He's a, he's a rancher. Um, but I was pretty damn excited to find a rancher like Charlie close to where we were working who was willing to take a bunch of newbies out and um, pack all our stuff up to base camp. It was great. It was great. And they're so, yeah, they're so good. They teach you how to um, uh, ride the horses. Mm -hmm. And then we go to base camp and then we drop our bags and then we go and find our spot. Yeah, you're finding your solo spot. Finding our solo spot. And either you partner up, or I guess you could go on your own. And I partnered up with uh, Carl Greger, and we went to find our spot. And I think it took a couple of hours, maybe. Mm -hmm. And then while we were gone, uh, Ruben and yourself were setting up camp. And then that night, we had a fire ceremony after dinner which I remember I didn't eat a lot. I wasn't feeling very well. I remember that. I was a bit nervous. Most people don't. <laughs> Most people don't want a big meal the well, night before they're going to wake up and But sunrise. I was thinking that I should have a big meal if I was yeah. going to fast for the next four days. <laughs> but I couldn't really eat. And then, so then um, Ruben and Carmen gave us the option of whether we want to stay in the tent with them <laughs> or we wanted to sleep outside. I think all of us except Ryan slept in the yeah, tent. Yeah. And then next morning we were up at six. Yeah, it was. A, it's a sunrise, sunrise departure, and there's a ceremony, a blessing ceremony, and we won't tell them specifically what happens in the blessing ceremony. Right. That's a very. It's very private. Sacred. And it's very sacred. But then you go out at sunrise back to your spot. Yes, and then you set up. Oh, I should mention so. Uh, Carmen suggests bring four liters of water. So you bring two liters with you on the, the, the previous day to put on your spot. And then you, so you bring us the, the other two liters on uh, day one of solo's one. Gallons, actually. Two gallons, why, So you're right. not actually expected to carry all four gallons of water all at once. Right. There's a whole system here, folks. I've got it all worked She's out. Got, she got it all yeah. prepped. <laughs> and then we just, yeah, so day one solo time, you just go to your, we went to our spot, set up the tarp, and then, uh, you know, I don't remember specifics of what I did each day. I remember going for walks, being careful of where I stepped because it was so slippery. It because won't be it, it, no, any it won't other time of year, but no. it snowed, it, and it hadn't had, the most precipitation was 0.6 millimeters of precipitation in this month in 16 years, Yes, and this was a record-breaking year, so mm -hmm. they discovered what's possible. What's possible? It, it's possible that it could totally snow in May. Yes, and, <laughs> and, yeah. and those of you coming to Quest this year is not going to snow. Mm -mm. No, and I did a lot of uh, napping, a lot of sitting, listening to the bird song, talking to spirit. Let's see, you go to your stone pile every day, yes. and you are Thank like you, me. So, 
so Carl, Gregory, and you were stone pile buddies, and this is the safety system. So you're checking on your buddy, but you don't want to see them. So there's this whole stone pile communication thing. Um, and I was stone pile buddy with both Jen and Ryan from base camp because they were in different directions. It was going to be hard for them to get to each other. So, uh, and I enjoy the gifting tradition. And mm -hmm. I think you do too. So I like to leave little gifts for my buddy, mm -hmm. little carvings, you know, or whatever. And you did that too for Carl Greger, right? At least yeah, once. I did. I did it once, uh, maybe, maybe more than once, but one day. So a lot of time actually was spent just sitting and enjoying the sun if the sun came out. And then, uh, and I would find wood and I was, I carved um, the wood trust into a piece of wood for Carl Greger and then I left it for him. And then when we came back after solo time when we were doing the sharing, he actually said that was what he needed at that time. So that was, that was pretty, pretty powerful. Mm -hmm. And some people, you know, so like, Patricia, you're an example of the person who goes and is pretty contemplative. Whereas, for instance, Jen was out there and she was like a fucking banshee, a woman on a mission, and she did ceremonies and rituals. Like, it sounded like morning to night, right. basically yeah. every day. She just like had all these amazing inspired ideas for rituals of release and rituals of whatever. Like, so it was, it was pretty, so some people are pretty busy. I'm like Jen, I'm like, I've got all these plans. I've got all these <laughs> ceremonies and rituals. I've got all this shit I want to do. I, I planned out, I mean, you taught us the four seasons. Mm -hmm. And uh, you go through the wheel of the seasons right. and the teachings, so you know which rituals are appropriate for where you are in your life. That's what we're learning in the first four days, basically. Mm -hmm. And then when we come back, what do you remember from that? Well, the day we came back, thank goodness, there was a toilet. I was so happy. <laughs> Even though I did quite well in the wild. I did really well in the wild. Uh, we came back. We dropped off the bag. You laugh. It's quite, it was quite, you know, it made, really makes me, made me appreciate the little things in life. Uh-huh. It yeah, does. For sure. It does. And Especially when it's snowing and you're trying to dig a cat hole. Yes. Yeah. There's just all just, kinds of stuff that you're so much more grateful for. You're just a better person when you come back from Quest. Basically. But also, I mean, I have to also say, I mean, but that was exactly, the weather was exactly what the four of us needed. It's so true. You guys, and I reflected to you guys that every one of you are people who live in the world as though if it's not hard, it doesn't count. And you guys got the fucking hardest <laughs> I've ever seen. Right, so, but, and, but we all did really well. We did, it was fabulous. And our elder Norman, he was worried and had called and said like, how, how are they doing? How did they do? I was watching the weather and I said, Norman, they all stayed out the whole time. And he was surprised. He had been saying to you guys, you know, if you can't stay yes. out all those days, you can come in. And I told him that, he said, wow, what an amazing group of humans. Did you expect us to stay out there? I was really open to, like I did not stray from base camp because I was pretty sure somebody was gonna come in <laughs> and be like, do you have any hot pockets? My hands are freezing. Yeah, Okay. But nobody did. No, and uh, um, going back to actually your question, so then we went back to base camp, we rested, showered, and then there was a dinner to celebrate that night. Big feast. Big feast, and it was great. And then the next three days were sharing and witnessing. 
So we do a really specific process of mirroring each other so that everybody, you know, tells their story, but it's not call and response. It's like you receive all the stories first, and then all of the stories get mirrored. There's some more ceremony. There's some, you know, more circling up. Lots of feasting. <laughs> Lots of feasting. Yeah. Yeah. I did a lot of journaling up during on, on solo time too. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I did a lot of writing. Mm -hmm. um, yeah. But actually that's, um, did that answer your question? There, yeah, that does. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, let me ask you this. Was there ever a time where you just wanted to quit, give up, go back to base camp, throw in the towel? No. No, because I went, I went with the expectations that I was going to stay out there. But like, come and say, it's like, if it's hard, I want to do it. <laughs> you know? So I, yeah. Yeah. the only That's time, definitely. yeah, yeah. It was funny because I was listening to the podcast again. And I think the only time I was quite, I was a little bit upset was when, we were the first day of solo time we were going back to our solo spot and i was because it was snowing the snow was so deep i just got a bit frustrated i was like why am i doing this again why can't we just find our solo spot one time and just drop on back i mean of course Do you know can. the answer to that because you need to know where we are because i need to guide you if anything goes wrong That's of course right. yeah but no the whole time i was so happy to be there i was so I, I really enjoy the quiet and the peace. Yeah. I think I can uh, also interject and say that Jen uh, was definitely swearing my name uh, for a few days. Really? After, yeah. She was like, fucking Carmen, like, I'm not prepared for this. Because it snowed and it sucked. And, you know, she hadn't waterproofed her boots or like any of that kind of stuff. So, you know, anything could happen. And she was awfully pissed. But, Maybe my gifting at her stone pile helped her come down. <laughs> <laughs> but you know, I mean, I was warm. You prepare us really well for layers and. Um, yeah, you get a handbook. Yes. And it's like the complete detailed guide to what you need to not only survive, but be like comfortable out there. Yeah. Yeah. And that's really good to know. Like, because, you know, we have all these fears, even just basic survival sort of stuff. I, I don't even know how to read a compass properly, so. <laughs> oh, uh, Carmen and Ruben will teach you that. Um, it, the, I think the reason that I never thought about leaving at any point was because I felt safe with you guys at base camp, um, Carmen. So I knew that if I needed help, and they come and say this to us a few times, if you need help, come back. If, you're, if your shoes get wet, your socks get wet, come back and we'll give you a new set. We'll help you dry out and then you can go back to your spot again. Mm -hmm. And there was never any um, fear or, or any uh, negativity from you guys that if we had to come back for help. No, I mean, you, you, you were so great. You were giving us options and yeah, stay out there, but if we needed help, we could go back. Yeah, we're definitely able to make modifications yeah. and like help you. We want to help you stay out there if that's what you want to do. And if you want to come in, we have things we can do. Like you're not going to come in and we're not going to like, we're not going to process together if you come in. We're not going to talk about movies. We're going to set you up with like, what's the better way for you to do this? Like, do you need to be able to see base camp? Fine, mm -hmm. we'll move you. That's totally fine, you know? Mm -hmm. um, also, 
you don't have to worry about not being able to read a compass because I have found the idiot proof place to quest. Mm. It took thousands of kilometers of driving and Ruben and I had to, it's actually very difficult to find a, like a reasonably remote place where you can't see lights or clear cuts in BC. Wow. Yeah. Without needing a helicopter, you know, essentially, it's actually much harder to do than you would think. Um, so we found a place where just the landmarks alone, there's two very distinct mountains. And in between them, there's a creek that goes from base camp all the way down to the lodge. So I always kind of joke, you'd have to be a special kind of stupid to not be able to make your way back down to the lodge. It's like, keep the pointy one on your left and the round mountain on your right and follow the creek. Like it's, it's it would be impossible even for the most inexperienced outdoors person to get lost. Which, which was, which wasn't still is me because I'm a city girl. And I mean, the fear was there that I would get lost up there, but I didn't. And uh, we had, we had, uh, because it was snow, so we had footprints to follow. Mm-hmm. And uh, like, actually you can hear the creek. If you, if you ever feel disoriented, you just, you locate yourself and see what it, hear what the creek is. And then you know that's where, uh, Ruben and Carmen are, mm-hmm. and you'll be fine. I mean, I've thought about asking you, Carmen, whether we can tie like ribbons. Yes, on a lots tree. of people want to do that, and uh, I have been asked that before. And why? Why do you think I say no? Because I think it's very jarring when you're in a state of um, dream world to see it. It's so true. That is the exact right question. It's like you're going out to be in relationship with the natural world and seeing human footprint and seeing um, that kind of almost like a scarification on the landscape, plastic, neon yellow plastic in the in the wild. We just it's so you do feel like kind of grossed out of it by it, right? You do, you're just you like do. what? Who would do this to like the sacred earth? Right? You do, and it's. And uh, actually, you're like you're in this dream. In the dream world. In the dream, dream world, state. I don't know how you would define that comment, but you're you're in the dream world when you're on solo time. The whole time, it's like a the whole time, state. yeah, the whole time, the whole time you're at quest, the twelve days. That's what the fasting does, right? And also being, you know, without companionship and in the remote space, and you're not on any time, and your body mm-hmm. kind of relaxes and sleeps a lot potentially um so yeah you're sort of constantly in a dream state and so it is nice to not have markers of human built environment around mm. you um and we've made it so that and the, and you do learn the basics of like tracking yourself if you get lost track yourself back and that's actually even one of the rituals right is the ritual of finding yourself yes is you know so, you, so you're getting taught before you go on solo you're getting taught all of these different rituals you might choose to perform and one of them is that you have an object or you craft like a little representation of yourself and then you walk in a certain direction for however long half an hour you put your object there and then you turn around and you walk away without ever looking back for another half hour, whatever. And then you see if you can find yourself again. Mm. That's like a big metaphor, oh. right? <laughs> and so if you're, you know, if you're aware, you're going to follow your own footsteps and figure that out. So that's one of the ways you learn tracking. You can track yourself. Right. Also, you we taught you how to make fire yes and uh put you know you knew about the tarp you had quite a skookum tarp yes yeah i i mostly don't put up a tarp when i go out 
You don't? No. So what do you do? I just under the stars. Really? Yeah. In so, the desert, I'll put it up, like a little one up um, for shade. Um, but what about the wind? Because I was thinking of doing that this time. Well, because on this mountain is quite windy. Yeah, it depends on where you put your solo spot, right? But yeah, oh. I might put it up on the side as a windbreak, but I like to be able to look up at the stars and the moon when I'm sitting. Yeah, because I was actually thinking of doing that this time, but mm -hmm. I was just afraid of how windy it was going to be. Oh, okay. All right. Do you have any advice to share with Ashley? Yeah, wear comfy clothes, definitely. Uh, during, during the whole time, yoga pants, sweatpants, definitely be comfortable. And it, there's a lot of sharing. It's not a bad thing. The sharing is great and everybody's there to hold you. Uh, I would say go with an open mind. Go with uh, some expectations, but not a lot because you don't know what's going to show up. That's right. Yeah, yeah. Thank you. I received that well. Yeah. Do you have any questions for me, you guys? I do, Carmen. Yeah. So maybe if you could just share, like, how could someone recognize the call to go on Quest mm -hmm. and um, why it is important for us to leave our familiar world and go out and do this soul craft work in the wild? Mm. Yeah. Well, everybody will tell you that there's the obvious you know, calls to adventure. There's the obvious thresholds that you want to cross that are sort of telling you, oh, this is a good time to um, go on quest because you're, yeah, you're turning 30 or you're just out of a divorce or, you know, somebody close to you has died, you're an orphan, these kinds of things. Um, and I think that all those things are true. But I actually think in this current time, in the times we find ourselves in, one of the best indicators is when you can't be happy when things are going good. Mm. <laughs> when you're just like, I feel like something's missing. I feel unfulfilled. Because there are these cultural factors, right? Like life is just much more complex than it was when we lived in really indigenous cultures, in intact communities where, you know, we, we were born and died on the same land that every generation before us had you know, been born and died on. And so our problems do have a different quality to them. So it's not as obvious as just, oh, you're becoming, you know, you have your first menzies or you're becoming a man or you're, you know, now you're old and it's, it's not as obvious as that. Nowadays, I think one of our biggest problems is that we have an entire culture and a, and a capitalist system, a whole world, that has been made by uninitiated adults. Yes. People who have never been witnessed, yes. people who don't know how to offer witness. And so what do you find? You find in your own life that you're crossing thresholds all the time and you're always wondering, have I made it? Am right. I there yet? <laughs> am I am I an adult now? Like, because we haven't had witness and we haven't had people say, here's what I see in you. And sometimes in this kind of world, you know, it's pretty easy to forget when you live in like late stage capitalism and everybody's trying to like sell you healing or a solution or more purpose or more fulfillment or status, whatever it is. It's pretty easy to um, sort of get to the place where you've done everything you think you're supposed to be doing, but it still doesn't quite land. It still doesn't feel like you're contributing. It still doesn't feel like you matter. 
it still doesn't feel like anything you're doing is like a drop in the bucket. Mm -hmm. And so we need to be able to have people witness us and witness other people. And when we get discouraged, when we're getting off track, when we're like um, grasping again, because we're forgetting what we learned, there are other people who can carry our purpose and our quest for us when we can't do it. And it isn't just that we get, you know, um, beguiled by status or, you know, career satisfaction. Sometimes it's that we get fucking knocked over by the usual stuff of life, death, divorce, disease, you know, all of these kinds of things that, that in the past we would have had a community, a container to both hold and help us release mm -hmm. these things so they don't become trauma, so they don't become illness, they don't become a sickness in the culture. In, in the absence of that, I think you end up with this culture that we're in right now. <laughs> like, there are no elders, that the people who are older than us actually got us into this fucking mess. <laughs> and like, they're, they don't have the answers. So, and, and then a whole bunch of us have been trying to reclaim we're trying to self-initiate, but guess what? There's a limit to how much we can heal by ourselves. We're neurobiologically wired to learn and grow and develop through relationships. And so many of us uh, don't have spiritual community, spiritual fellowship that used to be woven right into our families, our communities, the culture at large. I'm not saying that it's necessarily the problem of secular culture, but I am saying it's the problem of a capitalist, patriarchal, colonialist, you know, imperialist society. This keeps us disconnected from land, from each other, from affection, from healing. So we need to come together in these like micro communities and we have to make it happen. And this is why I think it's important for us to keep extending that community over the, the, the year following because the return is the hardest part because you come back from this great experience and anybody who's been on retreat knows this, you come back all like, woohoo, and then you're like, fuck, life is just the same <laughs> and like I've changed but nothing else has and you need other people who can say, yeah, this is really hard. It's hard to create a new culture of compassion and patience and attunement to each other. It's very difficult. So, um, so that's the answer to the first part of your question. <laughs> you know, how do you know? I think it's that feeling of constant low-grade vague dissatisfaction. <laughs> I think that's the most important <laughs> one to go out for. Um, and sorry, what was the second question? Um, the importance of just separating ourselves from our familiar world and going into the wild to do the soul craft work. Well, and I, so I think this is where nature as therapist is the most important thing. It's, this is not going to a retreat center. This is not going to a yurt. This is not, you know, like a typical kind of white lady sisterhood type thing. That's not what we're doing. We're actually going to go and remember that we are part of the family of things, as Mary Oliver would say, because the human world is not the only world and it's not necessarily the one that I think we should be looking to for healing. <laughs> it's that whole uninitiated adult thing, right? But nature is a mirror for us and it, it has all of these um, 
teaching tools for us. And so we use the model of the seasons, the wheel of the seasons to kind of understand the human journey. And the natural kind of developmental task in each season is what we need to attend to in our lives. And you can't skip any of them. Mm -hmm. And we can't just talk about these things. It can't just be words. We're saying words or we're learning these things. We're listening to podcasts. We're like, you know, going to therapy. We actually have to have somatic experiences because everything that we're thinking about and experiencing spiritually is being mediated through the body. So if we don't get into the body and do the healing in that kind of naked, vulnerable way, then it is so easy for us to, for, to almost believe it didn't happen. It's so easy for us to just go back to, you know, some of the peer pressure of the uninitiated culture, right? Um, and, you know, there's this quality to the natural world that is so visceral and undeniable that I almost think that if you can't, like, let me put it this way, the precursor to being able to heal anything in your human life is to be able to survive in the natural world. If you can't make yourself safe in nature, if you can't embed yourself into the rhythms of the natural world, then you will never actually know true safety. Because this culture isn't just built on top of nature, it's actually part of it. It's, it's responding to, it's being informed and shaped by, um, and when we negate that, we kid ourselves. You know, not everything out there is benevolent, right? Mm -hmm. Nature can fucking kill you. The law of nature is life or death. And there's no quicker way to figure that out than sitting in the dark by yourself, listening to the sound of creaking trees and coyotes in the distance. It's like, oh, wait, I am, a, I am an animal. I am a natural being, and this is my natural habitat, and I feel like a foreigner. I mean, that's a very deep chasm in the heart, right? That's a deep kind of grief that um, I think if we can begin to heal that and uh, have some um, empowerment or be at peace or have some um, confidence in our natural environment, it gives us the kind of strength and resilience and foundation we need for everything else that's to follow. Otherwise, it's possible to you know, live your whole life and have it be a house of cards. As soon as something bad happens to you, mm -hmm. it's like, eh, you know, so yeah. Yeah, and I didn't, uh, I didn't understand that before I went. I mean, I heard you talk about it, and I didn't understand. And something shifted in me with that four days of service by you, having survived out in nature. And I didn't understand the importance of that, of being with nature until I came back. Mm -hmm. uh, and I think... Because I think in, in the modern world, so many of us, and I went to Quest because I was, what you said, I was feeling lost. I wasn't happy. I've never been initiated in my life before this. And I felt, and I could, I, I could feel the difference after Quest. Mm -hmm. You know, and when you said uh, it is important to have people witness your quest for you because if not then it becomes almost like a dream mm -hmm. and I think that I think that needs to be said again because it's been nine months and it is so 
comforting to have people that say, yeah, but this is what happened to you at Quest, and I've seen that you can do this. Mm -hmm. I've seen that you have the strength for this, and to be reminded of it, and so that is not a dream. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah, to have people who remember who you really are, because yeah. that's how they saw you, right? They yeah. saw you in like the most important threshold crossing of your life. They don't know all the other bullshit. No, <laughs> no. right? And I've seen people go out on Quest who had to come back you know, almost once a day from their solo because they were having anxiety or panic attacks, who then went back out and then, you know, and managed to do it, you know, and who've returned on quest different times. I mean, I've, I've definitely seen people really struggle out there and overcome. Mm -hmm. um, and sometimes what they were overcoming is, um, you know, sleeping in a tent. They didn't even go outside the tent a lot of times, you know, but that was huge for them. Right. And it, it, it's always a metaphor for something else in their life, right? And so being able to have that somatic embodied experience is I think really critical and vital for mm -hmm. our humanity. It, you know, I think the quality of our humanness depends on having a relationship with the natural world and remembering who we are as a species. Yes, definitely. And so that leads to my question. I think you answered the first part. My question was gonna be, what do you, wish for the questers or is it different per questers depending on the medicine that you need mm, that's an excellent question fabulous question right now i would say it's different for every quester mm. i definitely have you know so when you guys are all out on solo i'm going in the morning and the evenings doing prayers for each one of the questers and i have certain prayers I'm saying for each one of you. And I'm remembering what you said you wanted. I'm thinking about what I think you need. <laughs> I'm asking spirit to give you what you need out there. And sometimes I get certain sort of pangs, you know, like I'll get a pang of just something in my heart or I'll start to well up with tears. And sometimes it's with joy and sometimes it's with fear or grief or whatever. So I definitely feel a bit of a psychosomatic like connection. Um, so it really does, I think, um, depend on each quester, mm -hmm. but what my goal is in, in the morning and the evening prayers is to be steadfast because mm -hmm. I want to be the secure base. I want to be steadfast so that if you're up there just fucking bawling your eyes out the whole time, I'm like down here doing the songs and the dance and the rattling or the smudging or the you know i'm i'm saying the prayer for you and calling on all of my ancestors calling on yours and um asking for whatever you need from your quest mm -hmm. um and i feel very moved by it and and of course experiencing everyone come in from quest is it's very emotional mm -hmm. it's very emotional too yeah to be like, oh my God, you're back. Like, it's so, it's, it's, it's very, very moving. It was, yeah, it was very, for me coming back after solo time, it was very, I felt a sense of relief, but I also felt like, wow, we all did it. Mm -hmm. Like, yeah, yeah, mm -hmm. it was a, definitely a very good feeling. Mm -hmm. So, um, speaking of feelings, mm. on the Numinous podcast, we like to end on the question, how do you personally express and deal with 
grief and rage. What, what, do you, what would you say to that, Patricia? How do you deal with grief and rage? The grief, I write, I journal. I feel it in my body. Um, I'm better at talking to my husband about it. I talk to you. And with rage, I go for a run. And um, when I was going through with my dad's um, dying, you taught me that rage has to be discharged from the body. Mm -hmm. So now what I do with rage, I, I do rituals, I set intention, and I break glasses. Break glassware. That's break glassware. my top recommendation. Yeah. And Even if you have to like put it in a paper bag and then smash it because I you're like typing yeah. and want to keep it clean. Yes, because <laughs> me, I, put it, I put it in a plastic bag and then I okay. step on my belt, uh, patio chair and then I drop it so that it has more um, height. Mm -hmm. And with both grief and rage, I find it's really been helpful and really important to have witnesses. So I text my people, I email, mm -hmm. uh, and sometimes, I mean, just to, just to share, it doesn't necessarily need an answer. And then if the rage and the grief is to do with the injustice in the world, I write, I give money to causes when I can, and then I share articles. Mm -hmm. yeah. yeah, that's what I do. Yeah. Uh, you're reminding me of one of the rituals we did after Quest, which was for a fellow Quester who was uh, moving across country mm. and leaving a relationship and a home and all this stuff. And so she was trying to get rid of her stuff. And she was having, was it like a full moon party? Or yeah, moon, full and she moon was maybe? selling the things. She was selling all her stuff and then was going to like have a get together with friends. And so we timed it so that the person in Europe, the person in uh, Atlantic, and the two of us in Pacific all uh, listened to a recording. Mm -hmm. I did a prayer song, mm -hmm. and then we had a glass. We lifted a toast to our fellow mm -hmm. quester, and then we all broke the glasses. Yes. To say, that is complete. Yes. Yeah, it was really nice. Well, yeah, it felt really good. Yeah. yeah. And so we have this. We have like a, um, it's like you, when you go on quest with people, you inherit this um, spiritual crew. Mm -hmm. These are the people when you need some weird thing done. It's like, hey, could you bury a crystal under the new moon in the northwest corner? You know, or if you're like, hey, um, I'm really upset about something, and you know, could you pull a card or do some pendulum or like, could you, you know? Or I just need some witness because I'm in a huge argument with somebody. Yes. It's like you've got this crew that is like totally on that shit. It, it, There's no context needed. No, and, and I mean, I, I say this and this makes me a bit teary, but when my dad, the day before he died, I think the night before, I texted you and I texted the other quest, uh, Jen, and to, to make a toast to that. So we knew he was going to, they were gonna turn off the machine. And um, and I just texted, I mean, it was nine or 10 p.m. which I'm, you know, and, and I just asked you guys to do a, make a, do a toast for him to help him to cross over. Mm -hmm. And I pulled out the best whiskey. Best whiskey. <laughs> and then, yeah. you know, and, and it was just, you had the dragon and dad I was a dragon. dragon. And my dad, my dad was a dragon and it was just like, to have that, to, 
you inherit this family that you don't even know that you have and that was like I don't know it was very touching, very touching. It, and what I, I can say is uh, it feels so good to be spiritually employed right mm -hmm. it feels something in the human soul to feel like you know that whole question of what's my purpose don't you feel purposeful when people yes. are like can you please do this ritual you're like yes sister yes, yes. <laughs> i'm like doing it i am doing that right now i'm interested in this and it feels really good and very satisfying to show up for other people yes. once you've had some training on how to do that in this kind of microcosm, right? Everybody thinks about quest as being like the solo time. And of course that that's really important. But what I don't think people realize is actually I'm like grooming you to be in community. Mm -hmm. That's what we're trying to learn how to do is increase our tolerance for proximity with other caring people. It's like actually harder than, <laughs> than you think. So actually, uh, same question for you. How do you personally cope with grief and rage? I couldn't have said it better than Patricia. Um, besides the breaking glass, but I'm now going to start doing that because I <laughs> <laughs> um, Yeah, all the ways, you know, I, I cry. I cry in the shower. I cry in the bath. I cry at the ocean. Uh, I throw things. I um, talk to my therapist and my soul family. I, uh, you know, I write and I perform ritual as well so yeah that's that's about it well um i'm super stoked to be questing with you guys i love keeping vigil at base camp and if it's mm. if it's just us three that's totally fine it'll be reuben and my son enzo as well but um mona and the dog i bring my dog mona and so that's exciting um, but I do hope that more people join us. If, yes. And so I'm going to leave it to you, to you. Like, do you have anything to say if somebody's on the fence right now? What would you say? Jump in. Go all in. If, 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 if you have the little bit of yes, just, just say full yes. I mean, what can you lose? Yes. Yeah, um, yeah Ashley speaks my mind with that. And I also think that it's really, it's not as hard as you think it's going to be. It isn't, and it's worth it. It's worth it. And, and even if you're just thinking about it, you know something is telling you. There's something about life that isn't working out. Mm -hmm. And not that you go to class and magically it will happen. I mean, it's nine months and I'm still processing my whole class, like this class, but it's still, you, you will come out of it so much stronger and different and yeah it's it's worth it mm -hmm. it's not so hard that you'll feel despair but hard enough that you'll feel proud yes definitely <laughs> because i mean for you to and i think deep down all of us want to be seen yeah. and you are definitely seen on this journey mm -hmm. not in a bad way but in a in a fantastic way that you are seen for who you truly are and there's absolutely no judgment from anybody. Mm -hmm. And it's set up in such a way that that's like, <laughs> that's seated right into the, that's woven right into the fabric. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, and with me, I mean, with my life too, I mean, Carmen, you know a bit more about my life, but I've never felt seen or held like that before. Mm. You know, I've never, never like, had Okay, that's what I hope everybody gets from Quest. That's what I hope. And I experienced that on retreat as well, and, and just that sense of belonging. Yeah, 
And also, I mean, I've been on retreat with you, Carmen, too, and it's like, but this, but this just, the quest just takes it to a different level. To a, I don't want to use a higher level, but it's just, it's, a, it's different. It's like, it is. You it's are, next level. It's next level. That's, it it's is next, next level. level. Like, and it's, you know, it's an investment of time and resources and all that, but it, the, the benefit Yes. is even more than the increase well, in, in investment. Like it's just an order oh. of magnitude. I'm still processing my first quest from 11 years ago. Well, I mean, and, and sometimes, and again, I, I agree with you, not many people are able to do it financially per se, mm-hmm. but I also think that if you think about it, at some point in your life, for me, is it more important to have experience or is it more important to have material things? Mm-hmm. And also like yes the the money the resources that i spend say if i go on a trip to italy would i would i rather take that and invest it on my well-being on my spiritual well-being on quest i would choose quest you know because i've seen the benefits and i've done the work with you i want to grow in that sense i want to i want to know myself and yeah. Quest definitely does that for you. And I, I firmly believe that Quest will make every other experience richer. Oh, it makes... It'll make Italy better. Oh, my God. <laughs> it makes you... It, it will make and every part of your life better in a sense that you will have more appreciation for it. <laughs> I'm just thinking of some of our other fellow Questers who are, like, still going through the long, dark night right now. Yeah. And... um they might put better in air quotes, but <laughs> here's what I would say. <laughs> but there is like a, no regrets. Like no. there's nobody, but yeah, everybody is like, thank God I did that. Yes. And I mean, and also better in a sense that I'm not saying that my life is, every day is good. I mean, because some days I'm still going through the dark night mm-hmm. of the soul and, but I'm able to deal with it in, on a different level. Mm-hmm. I'm more resilient. I'm, uh, you know, and one thing I didn't say, well, how, my, how I have changed or how my life has changed is that my marriage is strong. Mm-hmm. And that is so important to me. Mm-hmm. Now, did I expect that to happen? No. Mm-hmm. So that was a very welcome surprise. And yeah. It's so interesting you say that because, of course, Ruben and I, our, our marriage isn't stronger because of Quest, but that was our first, Ruben's always assisted me mm. on retreats, and this is the first one where I was like, okay, I'm going to ask you to assist, but there's also, there's just more to it this time, and it was so great to feel like, oh, we're both kind of bringing these energies that are balancing, it's definitely made our marriage stronger, and now mm. I'm I was like, okay, now I want you to co-lead a retreat with me at Hollyhock, which is not until September. But um, I look forward, Ruben and I both look forward to kind of laying the feast of quest. You know, it's like we're going to lay the feast of this experience. You're going to feel collected and gathered and safe. And, you know, we're going to challenge you and serve you at the same time so um it's made our marriage stronger too and mm. and i and i've received nice notes from people about how good uh that has felt 
but yeah, we put a lot into it. It's made our marriage stronger too. Just trying to figure out like what is needed? What do the questers need here? And how if we were going at this from like an attachment perspective, right. if we were going at this from a um animist perspective, if we were going at this like what's it's very small and delicious life. It yes. is, and it's also, I've never told you this before, but for me to see how you and Ruben function together, like, not just during Quest, but, um, but especially during Quest, it makes me think about how I function in my marriage. Because you guys, not that you always have great days, but no. Totally not. Right. <laughs> there's a way, there's, there's something about how the two of you flow that right Ashley you've seen I, I, I attest to that oh yeah right and there's something about that that I go okay there's something I can learn from this mm. and then I take it back into my marriage right mm. um mm. yeah that's yeah. so lovely to hear I appreciate that we we were pretty conscious about sharing the struggles of marriage publicly to help normalize that like yeah. <laughs> it's freaking hard yeah um but that's another thing that we both really cherish is also being able to share our love with people and like kind of how we want to work together and how we want to be together and the kind of, yeah, the, the, the kind of experience of connection and attunement we're going for, we really do like to share with people. Yeah, and it, and it really shows when you guys are working together in mm -hmm. the kitchen. It, it, really, it really shows and for me that was, I mean, I didn't see that much of it at retreat because I think um, you guys didn't cook. But at Quest, it was just, okay, there's something to learn from this and there's something for me to witness so that I can do my marriage better. Mm. Yeah, we cook all the meals. In addition to leading all the teachings and all the food and all the stuff, it's, it's pretty great. It's, it's like, awesome. Okay, we're going to like, it's like straight, like we're going to create this little camp, this little community of like okay this is this is how we might want to live how might we want to live in the world here's here's some suggestions here's some examples let's try it out yeah yeah it's yeah. pretty good i'm very excited you guys are coming me too yeah i'm ready for this that's, that's exactly right i am ready are you ready i'm ready all right all let's right. do it the waiting now the waiting is the <laughs> the difficult part is it june yet God, I'm getting so excited. I'm getting so excited for Quest this year. Uh, friends, I want to give you a sense of what we're actually doing out there for the 12 days, okay? So I'm going to walk you through our daily agenda. So arrival day, you come in, we're going to all have a lovely meal together, home-cooked meal made by myself, assisted by Reuben. The next morning, we'll have our opening of our circle and a territorial acknowledgement with Elder Norman Ritasket uh, of the Shoe Swap Nation that takes all morning, a bit of a blessing and some stories. And then in the afternoon, we'll talk about the purpose of community and quest and the structure of a quest. Then we'll do some group journeying, learn a little bit about how to enter into a relationship with the more than human world. We'll talk about animism. We'll start to practice some uh, journey work, trance work. We'll have our charcuterie uh, in the evening, meal together. The next day, we'll have our circle and a check-in, and we'll start to go through 
the work of Stephen Foster and Meredith Little on the four shields, the four human seasons of development. In the afternoon, we'll do a little bit more of that. And then we'll do a bit of uh, inter-animist journey work. We'll do a bit of uh, dialoguing with some of the more than human realm. Uh, the next day, we'll talk about fasting, the ritual of the stone pile. We'll talk about physical plane concerns like basic orienteering, tarp tying, knots, what to do with animal encounters, first aid. Um, we'll do fire safety, fire starting, and what's going to happen if you come in early from your solo time down to base camp. We'll do a little bit of ritual and uh, ceremony in the afternoon. You'll be taught rituals that everyone will be doing and some optional rituals that you might do on your own and how you might create rituals out there. We'll do a little bit more journeying together uh, in that afternoon. The next day, we're going to prepare to depart for base camp. So you'll have packed up. Uh, Charlie Coldwell will come from Coldwell Ranch with all of his horses. We'll do some basic horsemanship lessons and we'll ride up to base camp. That afternoon, while Reuben and I are setting up base camp, you'll go out with a buddy. You guys will find your solo spots. Then you'll come back to base camp. And after having shown each other where your stone pile is, your and sorry, your solo spots are, uh, you'll come back to base camp. We'll have a bit of a cookout. We'll have a rest. And that night, we'll have some fire ceremony. The next day, sunrise, ritual, you'll go out. For your four days and four nights. When you come back, it'll be four nights later, so the fifth morning, you'll come back sometime after sunrise. You'll learn all about how to dismantle and leave no trace. Charlie and the horses will be there. Uh, we will ride back down to the lodge. You'll have a chance to rest, to bathe, and that night we will feast. Then for the next three days, we're doing integration, we're circling, witnessing, mirroring. And then on the last day, we'll have the closing of our circle and departure. So who's coming with? If you'd like to put a deposit down, you can go to my website, carmenspaniola.com, look under retreats. And right there on the quest page at the very bottom is where you can say yes. Today, I'd like to thank all of my listeners in Manitoba, friendly Manitoba. It's been so true. Every Manitoban I've ever met has been super friendly and very memorable. Thank you so much for listening. If you'd like to learn more about Quest or about the Numinous School, that's uh, opening up for registration June 1st. Just go to my website, carmenspaniola.com. C-A-R-M-E-N-S-P-A-G-N-O-L-A. Until next time, take care.